0: So please read along with me as we read from Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and it grew up and withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this The seed is the Word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rocks are those who, when they hear the Word, receive it with joy. But these have no roots. Our
1: Heavenly Father, we bring before you now our gifts, tithes, and offerings. Uh, We do so out of gratitude for in Jesus you have given us everything that we need in this life. And Father, you have also taken such good care of your creation that you have provided us with everything we need for our temporal needs in this life. We pray that as we return to you uh, what is first what has come to us first from your hand we pray that you would use these gifts ties and these offerings for the furthering and advancement of your kingdom in this world in order that the gospel would be proclaimed to all the nations And know oh god as we prepare now to come before your word we pray that this same gospel that we hope to go out into all the nations would be proclaimed to us that as we read your word, we would see clearly with the help of your spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that though we all come from different places this morning, some heavily burdened with cares, the cares of this life, those who are struggling with doubt, those who are struggling with very hard questions and pain in their lives and still those we're just very excited to be here with your people. However we come, we pray that you would remind us that really we are all the same as we come before your word. for we are all far more broken than we could imagine. And so we desperately need to hear the good news this morning that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and his work, it can be true of us that though we are far more broken than we could imagine, In him we are also far more loved and far more secure and far more approved of than we could have ever dreamed possible. And so we pray that you would help us to see and hear this good news by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. (coughs) We're currently um, in in a series where we're going through Luke's gospel, and we're looking at the parables that Jesus told. And this morning, we come to one of my my favorite parables, uh, one of my favorite stories that he told in Luke chapter 8. And here Jesus tells the story of a farmer who sowed his seeds, um, and then he explains what happens to the seeds as it falls on different types of soil. And from this story, I want us to see uh, the power of the Word. I'm not going to burden you with the whole long, drawn-out story this morning, but years ago, my dad and I were driving through Arkansas. Um, If you've ever driven through Arkansas, you know that there's a lot of nowhere in Arkansas. And um, sorry if you're from Arkansas, but, um, you know, we were out in one of these patches of nowhere land, and uh, just driving down the interstate, our car conked out on us um it it lurched a few times it sputtered and then it just died and we coasted off the shoulder and uh and you know neither my dad or i we're not motorheads we don't know anything about cars uh how they work or anything but you know we did what we thought we were supposed to do which was okay let's pop open the hood and we looked inside and we're like okay there's an engine um you know i'm not sure if we would have noticed if anything was wrong but we uh We did what, you know, guys sometimes do that don't know anything about cars. We would jiggle a few wires, and then we'd say, try it now. Um, Nothing. Uh, The car wouldn't turn over. Um, This is a long time ago. This is before cell phones. So we were forced out in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, to walk to the next exit a couple miles down the road. And we got there, and there was a gas station at the exit. And so when we got there, we explained to the person working at the gas station what happened how the car started sputtering and lurching and then all of a sudden it just died and we coasted to the shoulder and so we asked him if he could help us get our car to a nearby mechanic so that we could get it looked at and um then he basically said just this he said um you know i I listened to what you said but i really don't think you need a mechanic um i really think you just need some gas um and in that moment, it was just kind of humiliating. We didn't know anything about cars, but I do know that. They need gas in order to to go. And, uh, but of all the things we checked, of all the wires we jiggled right, we never thought about the fact that we might have run out of gas, which is exactly what happened. Um, so good good lesson reinforced out in, out in Arkansas that day. Cars don't move, right? Uh, they, they don't go. You can't drive a car without gas because it's the fuel, right? That, that provides the power. Um, now, most of us, Christian or not, we, when those times, and, and I think you know what I'm talking about, because it, it's not all the time for all of us, but there are times when we get a sober, realistic look at ourselves. And in that moment, when we really look into the mirror and get a glimpse of ourselves, we know that we want to move that we want to change, we want there to be hope of change. We, we want to be different, we want to grow, right? We know instinctively that we're just a shadow of what we were meant to be, right? Uh, of what life was meant to be. And, and given enough time, I think oftentimes we start growing cynical um, to, to that instinct, right? Be, because we've tried so many times for a fresh start. You know, we, we've maybe we've maybe even put ourselves in a new environment. You know, maybe I just need new friends or a new place of work or a new city or whatever it is. I need a fresh start. Or may, maybe we've thought, maybe I, this time I can muster up enough determination, right? Enough discipline and things will really change. You know, we'll just really grit our teeth and we'll grind hard and we'll, we'll get it done. And at best, <clears throat> at best... What you and I have experienced when we've tried, tried to do that is maybe some sputtering and some lurching towards move, but no real move, no real change, no real transformation. Most of our efforts to change, you know, they're, they're like trying to start a car without fuel. There's just nothing to turn that engine over. And so this morning, I want you to see that fuel. I want you to see the power to change, to be different, uh, to grow in the word, um, in the scriptures, in the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I want you to see in this passage this morning. I want you to see the power of the word. But I want you to see specifically these three things, that the word is a seed and that the seed is powerful and that the seed demands a response. Okay, first, the word is a seed. See, a great crowd had gathered around Jesus. There was this buzz around Jesus and who he was and what he was doing. Uh, He'd been doing some amazing things, right? He had been healing people. He had been delivering people from evil spirits. He had even been raising the dead. Pretty amazing stuff. So all these people, they had come from all the towns around to get near Jesus, to see him, to, to find out what he's about. And when they gathered around this amazing person, Jesus, Jesus started telling stories to them. And the first story he told in Luke chapter eight was a story about a farmer sowing his seed. You know, in this agrarian culture, uh, farmers sowing seed was a common sight. Uh, Many of these people probably were farmers themselves. And the story made sense to them immediately, sometimes sometimes. The seed fell on good soil, and sometimes it didn't. But it's in the second half of our passage that Jesus explained this story. And he told them what the seed represented in verse 11. And he said this, now the parable is this. If you want to understand this story, it's this. The seed is the word of God. And in this first point, I, I simply want to try to tell you that that Jesus is telling you that the word brings life and change and growth. We can address some of the how and why questions in a minute. But for now, Jesus is saying that life comes and change comes when you hear when you hear the word. Or or maybe more specifically, when you hear the gospel message that Jesus is is proclaiming, which lies at the heart of Scripture. You see, all throughout this passage, there is a distinct emphasis on hearing, right? Jesus did what when this crowd finally caught up to him? He started teaching, he started speaking, and they heard him and were listening to him. And after he told the parable, we're told in verse 8 that Jesus called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right. And then when he explained this parable in verses 12 through 15, each time he addressed the different kinds of soils, he talked about hearing. Right. And like in verse 15, as for that time, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Can you I'm try to get you to imagine something with me just for a second? And it's this, how strange Jesus' kingdom must have started to look to all these people that have gathered around him. Because he was saying to them, I am the king, right? I have come down from heaven. I am God. I am the creator walking among my creation. And I am bringing my kingdom. In the chapter just before this, chapter 7, John the Baptist had sent some of his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus this question. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And this is what Jesus said to them. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. You realize what he's saying, right? He's saying, look at what I am doing. All these miracles, I am undoing the brokenness of this world, and I am restoring humanity to what it should be. I mean, the lame made to walk, the blind to receive their sight, lepers cleansed, even the dead raised. Okay, you get all that, right? And then you get to this passage and Jesus says, I am going to conquer the world. I am going to bring my kingdom. I'm going to conquer the world with a seed with a story, a story that you hear. I mean, it feels a little anticlimactic, doesn't it? A seed, a story, really, Jesus? You know, be honest, do you really think, do you really think that hearing a story could heal you and change you? How could a seed conquer your terrible insecurities in this life? How could a story change the way you look at other people and treat other people? How could hearing deal with the self, self-destructive addictions in your life? How could hearing wake people from the dead and bring about real significant and lasting change in their lives? I'm telling you, we don't believe it. I mean, instead, we want a big event. We want a show, right? We want a Jesus that comes with lightning and theme music and explosions, right? Right? Not with a story. I mean, we want a Jesus who comes with all this stuff, not a Jesus who says, listen to me. We want a quick fix to our issues and problems in this life. Change that comes from hearing. is just way too slow for us and way too messy for us. And here's where I want to bring in this strange and difficult verse where Jesus quoted from Isaiah in our passage. It's in verse 10. He said, To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that. And here's the quote from Isaiah, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, that sounds a little harsh to us. Jesus was saying, I'm talking in these metaphorical stories so that some people will see, but not see. So that some people will hear the words that are coming out of my mouth, but not understand. You know, and maybe if it doesn't sound harsh, it might sound a little exclusive, like an insider's club, right, that Jesus is talking about. And we can't spend a ton, ton of time here, but I think this is what Jesus was saying. He was saying, I am speaking in parables because so many are coming to me for the dramatic, for the exciting events, for the show, for healing, for instant gratification, right? That stuff is guaranteed to draw a crowd." He was telling parables to sift people out because, you see, if you are only interested in Jesus for the event, this listening stuff, this story, it's just a waste of your time. They aren't interested in stopping to listen and ponder to wrestle with it. They want action now. This story is only for those like Jesus disciples in verse seven who are interested in slowing down, in listening And asking what it meant. I mean, this is something vitally important for you to understand. That without listening, you cannot have life. And there will be no change in your life. You know, we've all probably heard some version of the traumatic story, right? When someone goes to the doctor for some kind of regular physical routine checkup or whatever... And they find out something that was terribly wrong. Someone who is feeling fine and everything was just going, you know, hunky-dory. Everything was great, right? But the doctor discovered something in that routine physical or checkup that wasn't right. Something that was unfelt at that time. And maybe it was cancer or something like that. And this patient, they have to be told because they don't feel it. They have to hear the diagnosis. Right? Because he, he or she just feels fine. And really the only way, the only hope of getting healed is not just to hear the diagnosis, but to hear the treatment. Right? I mean, this, this is what's going on here. The word, the scripture, the gospel, the story. This story, this is what gets past the circumstances of your life. Right? All the way down to the core of your life. It's a story that digs in all the way down into your heart. And exposes the disease that is so often unfelt to you. And it's a story that can heal your deeper disease. When Jesus says that he's going to change the world with a seed. A story through the hearing of the gospel. right? He is saying listen to the diagnosis. There is something more fundamentally wrong with you. Than the things you want miracles for in your life. Than the things you want a quick fix for in this life. What's wrong with you is deep inside of you. And only this story can reach to those depths and heal you there. Jesus is saying, if you want this transforming power of my kingdom, you have to listen. Because in his kingdom, he conquers by the word. Okay, second, we need to see that this seed is powerful. You know, initially, a seed seems anything but powerful, right? But you really need to hear this. Jesus isn't saying that the word or the gospel is about power. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that the gospel is power itself, that the seed is powerful. If you like music, you know that there is a difference between someone telling you about a beautiful song and you actually hearing that song. I mean, the description might be technically accurate, but it doesn't have the power to move you the same way hearing a beautiful song can Jesus is saying that the word of the gospel, it is the music. The gospel isn't about power. the gospel doesn't contain power. The gospel doesn't bring power. The word, the gospel, is the power itself, Jesus is saying. And here was Jesus. He was conquering he, he, he was conquering the world with the seed, and he was comparing the gospel to a seed, right? I mean, could you have possibly picked a smaller weaker image than that. I mean, he could have compared the gospel to something more vivid, right? An explosion, a consuming fire, a slashing sword, something like that. But instead, Jesus used an image that really makes us think. I mean, how could a seed be powerful? It seems so small and so weak. I mean, it's so small that if you held it in your hand, you better not drop it, because if you drop it, you might never find it again. I mean, it's so weak and so vulnerable that you could put it between your fingers and crush it. And Jesus picks up that metaphor. But the more you think about it, the more you begin to understand its power. Several years ago, my family, we lived in a house that had a yard that allowed us to plant a garden. And so we planted this garden in my backyard. We tilled the soil and we put, you know, Seeds for carrots and broccoli and corn and all kinds of things, right? And it was fun. We did all that work. And and every day I came home from work, I would grab my kids and we'd go out to the garden to look at the garden. For a long, long time, many weeks, many days on end, all we saw was dirt. Walk out to the garden again. Did anything happen today? Just dirt. Just dirt. But you know. That something was happening, something powerful under the surface where it couldn't be seen. Life was happening, right? Under the surface. There, there was not an explosion of fruit out of the ground when we planted those seeds. It was gradual. It was over time. Eventually, we started to see all those plants grow and break the hard surface of the ground. Tiny, weak, vulnerable little seeds blossoming into life and fruit. Do you know what makes the word so full of power? in your life is this. It works on you from the inside out. I mean, listen, if becoming a Christian or living the Christian life was just a matter of behavior or what you do, you do not need the gospel. You don't need this story. You don't need a seed. Just stop cutting corners at work. Stop lying. Stop visiting those websites, right? Stop lying. You know, start helping people, you know, give to the poor. I mean, you don't really need Jesus to do any of that. But if Christianity isn't just about changing the things you do, and if it really is about changing who you are, you need a seed that can get inside of you and change you from the inside out. You know, the preacher John Wesley, uh, he famously defined Christianity like this. This is his definition of Christianity. He said Christianity is the life of God and the soul of man. It is the life of God, the power of God, and the soul of man. That's what you really need. And you know this without me even saying it to you this morning. Your biggest problems aren't on the surface of your life, the things that you do. And I'm not saying that those things don't matter. But those things are symptoms of much deeper problems. The fears and the insecurities and the idolatries and the addictions and the twistedness and the bitterness that lie deep in your heart and mind. You see, when Jesus picks up this image of the seed, he picks up the image of something extremely powerful, even though it seems weak. Something that goes inside and gets to the deep and dark places of your life and brings about change there. You know, a couple of <coughs> minutes ago, I used <coughs> excuse me, the metaphor of music. And um, let me expand on that a little. This week, I'm really excited because my wife and I are, are going to get to go to the Lumineers concert out on Mud Island and uh, really excited to go see them play. But I've been to enough concerts to know what's going to happen, right? There's going to be thousands of people there and there's going to be the music is going to be blaring out of the speakers and violins and guitars and drums and all all that kind of stuff and the singers singing and, and people will be singing along with the songs out there. And it just happens. It happens to me every time I go to a concert. You just catch yourself doing it. You don't plan it. It just happens, right? You don't think about it. You just find yourself eventually caught up in the rhythm. And all of a sudden, you start moving to those sounds. And you start swaying and you start dancing, which is really scary for me because I am not a good dancer. But it's kind of like in that moment you get lost in the music, right? I mean, the... the, this thing, without even realizing it, it happens. You just kind of catch it happening when all of a sudden you are in the music and it feels like the music is in you. Look, in order for the power of the seed to be released, you need to work it deep down inside of you. You have to get the word, get in the word and get the word in you at the same time. And when it gets deep down inside of you, you'll find that it begins to move you. To change you, to direct you. You get this word, this seed, the gospel seed deep in your heart. And it really doesn't matter who you are or what you have done. It doesn't matter what has happened to you in the past or what you are struggling with in the present. All those failed attempts at change in your life. You get this inside of you and it can crack through the hardness of your heart, Jesus is saying, and change you from the inside out. This story has a rhythm. And to get it down deep in your heart, it will change you. It will pull you into its rhythm. If you're going to have life and if you're going to change, you have to stop and listen to this story Jesus is saying. You have to think and work out its implications. It has to be taken down to the deepest, most fundamental issues of your life. Only then will you find its power. Okay, finally we get to the last point. The seed demands a response. You know, parables... These stories that Jesus told, they function like mirrors for the people that hear, hear them, right? I mean, Jesus doesn't tell these stories just to tell stories, to be entertaining. And he doesn't, nor does he tell these stories just for information. He tells you these stories so that you can ask yourself the hard question. Who am I in relation to Jesus's kingdom? Right, I, I want you to notice something about Jesus' explanation of the different kinds of soils that he describes here. In each of these soils that Jesus spoke about, the seed went to different depths. It went to different depths. I mean, that's the key to understanding this this story. See, the question for you then has to be, how deeply has the gospel penetrated your life? How deeply has it been worked into your heart? Because the first seed is sown, but it it doesn't get into the soil at all, right? In verse 12. And Jesus said that the devil came along and simply took away the word from their hearts. Jesus was talking about people with hard hearts, right? And he was saying the word never penetrated. It never got underneath, right? It never got into the heart. And it's very, very possible that the Bible and Jesus and the word of God and the gospel has only affected you intellectually. And what I am saying is that, you know, all the right answers. And you could pass a theological exam. But you can have all the head knowledge in the world and still have no personal experience of or intimacy with Jesus. And you have to ask yourself, have you ever sat under God's word and thought this is talking about me? Have you ever sat under God's word and been captivated on a personal level by the beauty of Jesus? Have you ever felt deep conviction of sin and the comfort of God's grace? If not, your heart is hard and the seed has certainly not gone deep enough. The second seed was sown. It got a little deeper, but it didn't go into the ground deep enough to put down roots. Right. Verse 13. It was in the rocky places. In that thin layer of topsoil that covers right, the, the hard bedrock. And Jesus explained that these people heard the word and they received it with joy. In other words, they got very, very excited about Jesus for a time. There was an emotional reaction to Jesus, an emotional response to Jesus. But over time, Jesus said trouble and testing comes and exposed that they never really understood. It was only an emotional experience. When everything was good, Jesus was a nice little addition, a nice little something extra to put on the shelf. But when trials came, they withered. They withered up and left him. They were in it for what Jesus could do for them, but not in it for Jesus himself. The third seed got a little deeper into the ground, right? Verse 14. But here's the point of this. It got a little bit deeper into the ground, but it only got to the same level as the thorns. Right, Jesus was talking here about the heart that is divided. Those who are who are unwilling to submit to Jesus in all of life. These are the people who are somewhat committed to Jesus. But Jesus isn't the only master in their lives. I mean, they're also serving money or pleasure or popularity or reputation or whatever. And those other masters, Jesus says, will eventually choke out the word that was sown. Because the seed never got deeper than the thorns. And you know... We only have four soils here. And I think that could be pretty discouraging, right? You can come close to Jesus, but be as far away from him as possible at the same time. You can understand the word of God on some level, but not have it penetrate the core of your life. And listen, that's three out of the four of the soils. And it could be pretty discouraging. But that last soil that last soil, in that last soil, the word got all the way in, right? It got deep into the good soil and something supernatural happened. I mean, Luke tells us that there was fruit a hundredfold. I mean, it's exponential fruit and growth, right? It went in and life and fruit blossomed forth. Exponential growth, sign of vibrant real life. It gets all the way into the core of who you are and there's an understanding of who Jesus is. And there's an emotional connection and relationship with him, right? And and there's a willingness to submit to his reign. You see, it goes to the very core of who you are. And that is where it begins to change you from the inside out. How does this tiny, weak seed release such supernatural power for growth and change? In, In that little garden we had in our backyard, how did those tiny little seeds go about releasing their power. Right, power that broke through the hardness of the earth and released this fruit. To bring forth fruit, the seed has to go into the ground and it has to die. Listen, John in his gospel account, he introduced Jesus like this in the very first verse of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. See, he calls Jesus the Word, the ultimate seed. And a few verses later, he tells us that the Word, this ultimate seed, became flesh. God himself came, and he didn't come with a flash. And he didn't come with an explosion, and he didn't come with background music, right? He came so very small, and so very, very few even noticed. He came as an infant child vulnerable and weak, born in obscurity. How vulnerable did your God become? He became killable. I mean, that's it. He came to die, to voluntarily die in the place of sinners like you and me. And in some way, every story, every great story that captures your imagination, every great story that has the power to move you, To do something. To be something in this life. It has to have this at its root. A story of substitutionary sacrifice. The king who came to live and die in the place of his people. The king who in the wake of his death. Set captives free. The king who went into the ground. As a seed. And came out of that tomb victorious. For his people. The power of his life. Released in his people. You sink that story that story into the deepest, darkest recesses of your heart, and you will find its shafts of light begin to melt the iciness of your heart. This is the music you need to get into, and it needs to get into you. He had to die to set you free, and he so loved you that he gladly died to set you free. You understand that, and it will change you. You know, in just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Bread that represents Jesus' body, wine that represents his blood. You know, a meal that reminds us that Jesus, the ultimate seed, he came to die for us. What do you do when you eat and drink? You put this food deep inside of you. Right. We always say that this is a meal only for believers. Right and we're not trying to be restrictive and we're not trying to act like this is some kind of insider's club. We are saying these elements are only for you if you have already worked Jesus deep into your heart. If you if you have, then you are invited to come to this table and to be reminded of that, to come and feast with the one who came small, weak, and vulnerable to save you and to change you from the inside out. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is as powerful as Jesus described it was, that it is powerful enough to change even our hearts. And we pray, O oh God, that by your Spirit, you would not let this word fall upon deaf ears, but that we would hear that we would hear that it would be worked deep down into our hearts in order that we would be changed, in order that we would know who Jesus is and what He came to do, in order that the flames of our heart would be kindled for Him, in order that this seed worked deep into our hearts, we would submit to Him in all of life. Father, help us to be hearers and doers of your word, to take this word and work it deep down into our hearts. Pray that you would do this by the help of your spirit, in whose name we do pray. Amen.